within the book of Acts. Who still love the book of Acts? It's a powerful book, isn't it? I must say, if it wasn't for the work of the Holy Spirit, which we read about in the book of Acts, this would not be. This is how important the book of Acts is. This would not be. For if the Holy Spirit came, in the book of Acts we see the birth of the church, don't we? And we see as this transitional book takes us from the Jews, Jesus came for the Jews first. They rejected Him. And now we're going to see, and we've already seen the transition going over to the Gentiles. Will all the Gentiles put up their hands? I'm a Gentile. Have you got Jewish blood in you? No, no. If I was living in these days before Jesus Christ came, they wouldn't even want to touch me. Walk past me and my shoulder just rubs on them. They wouldn't even like that. Because I'm a Gentile, I would have been defiled. Who knows that sin defiles? Sin defiles you. It makes you dirty. It makes you feel dirty. I wonder how many people has got dirty minds. Oh, they've got all of the nice faces and everything, isn't it? But dirty minds makes you feel defiled. And sin does that. Sin defiles you. And that is what it would have been. And I thank God for the book of Acts, which shows us the transition that's going over. And as we're going to continue, because I'm not going to be in a hurry with the book of Acts. I'm not going to be in a hurry with this, because the Lord is teaching us every single time new things. It's not new, new things, which I'm going to go, wow, there's... No, it's always been there, but God reveals it to us. And sometimes your maturity level as a child of God depends on how much God reveals to you. Who knows that? You know, he can't give you everything at the first instance. Take a baby, for instance. I love the babies. When they are born and they're coming out and they go into the nursery room, is there a fat, big T-bone steak waiting there for them? No, no, they can't handle it. So sometimes as you grow and mature in your Christian walk with God and you read the same passage over again, he gives you something new. Isn't that right? But it's always been there. The only thing is he's revealing it now to you. Why does he reveal it to you? So that you can grow even more. And why do you need to grow? To become big, fat Christian in the spirit? Big, fat, there you sit, lazy, back, you know, I'm just coming to church and give it to me, preacher. And you know, if, I get, if, if your food becomes stale, I'm going to go to the next McDonald's and the next McDonald's. No, no. He... He matures you as a child of God for one reason, and that is to share the gospel. He matures you, listen to me, He matures you so that you can share the gospel. He says, go and make disciples. And what do you need to do? Teach them. Are you a teacher yet? Are you still sitting there with the milk like the little babies? Me, I want my milk. And if the milk is sour, I'll go to another place that gives me sweet milk. No, no. Brothers and sisters, the Lord reveals things to us bit by bit. And this is the, the book through Acts as we follow. And have you noticed that right through the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit is there? And right through the book of Acts, Jesus Christ is there. I'm going to show that to you today again. So we open up now. In our, in, our, in our books, in our Bibles, in Acts chapter 9, verse 32. And our focus now goes back to Peter. We saw Saul of Tarsus, you remember, on the road of Damascus. Now God is dealing with him. And now it's like the focus and the spotlight is going away from him, shining back on Peter. But as we're going to continue right through the book of Acts, you will see that Peter is going to take more so a little bit of a, a back a, a, a role and, and Saul, which will become Paul. We will come to that part in the next few weeks where he's going to become Paul and take over most part of the book of Acts. But for today, let's go to verse 32, and I'm going to try my best to finish Acts chapter 9 today, okay? I won't promise you anything, but I'm going to try my best. So now we go to verse 32. He says, Now it came to pass, as Peter went through all the parts of the country, that he also came down to the saints who dwelt in Lydia. 
You see, Lydia, your name is in the Bible, my sister. Yeah? You're feeling blessed today? Amen. Is that how you spell your name? No, but it sounds the same. Amen? So they came down who dwelt in Lydia. There he found a certain man named Aeneas, who had been bedridden eight years and was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus the Christ heals you. Arise and make your bed. Then he arose immediately, so all who dwell in Lydia and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. This is so wonderful. It is a miracle. My brother, you spoke about a miracle this morning. Here we read about a miracle, and I don't want you to distance yourself from it. I want you to realize there was a certain man. The Bible calls this man out by name. There is so many names in the Bible, but this specific man has been called out by name, Aeneas, and it's a different way of spelling his name. So he stood out. And here we have a real-time miracle. But it's not the first time that we saw and read about people who are paralyzed being healed, is it? We've seen this before. We've heard this before. So what is so special about this? We see that wherever the apostles go and wherever Peter, uh, 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 Stephen went and wherever Philip went and wherever Paul is going to go in future, the Lord, when they preach the word, he follow it by miracles and by power. And it is important because in those days when people saw these things, they knew that the word was authentic. Do we still look for that in our day? No, we've got the word of God, but it does not mean that miracles does not happen. I still believe in miracles. As I'm standing here today, I've seen miracles with my own eyes. And here we see that Peter speaks a word of faith. You see this? This is his word of faith. He says to him, Aeneas, Jesus the Christ heals you. Arise and make your bed. I told you that you can find Jesus right through the book of Acts. Here we find Jesus. The Bible says where two or three people gather together. Who's there? Jesus is there. Here he walks. And with him there, as he saw this man lying there on his bed, he walks up to him and he speaks a word of faith over this man. And see now what is the foundation of this faith. It is Jesus Christ. He didn't come to him and say, do you know who I am? I am Peter. I am Peter. You know, Peter who Jesus turned to and said, on this rock I will build my church. Well, he didn't say it about Peter. He said it about himself. But Peter could have listened to it in that way. But here he comes to him and he says to him, in Jesus Christ heals you, arise and make your bed. I want to one day preach on that word there, make your bed. Yes? Make your bed. Do you still make your bed in the morning? <laughs> there is a lesson in that and I'll bring it to you one day making your bed. When I go in the world and I do a keynote speech, I go to people and motivate young people to make their beds. It is important to make your bed, but let's leave that there for now. But here he speaks a word of faith to him. Have you noticed this man didn't cry out to him? That's not written there. There was no asking for it. Somehow Peter walked in there. He saw this man there. I don't know whether Peter knew whether this man was there for eight years, but it's writing that he was there for eight years. He saw this man that he was lying in his bed and he was paralyzed. He couldn't move. What really grabbed me about this is that it was for eight years. So before eight years, this man experienced not being paralyzed. And now he's paralyzed for eight years. I think that's frustrating. I don't know about you, but if you've seen people who are paralyzed and they were in an accident, it becomes really frustrating to them. Why? Because they can't do the things that they used to do. And now they need to accept their new life. And this man for eight years has accepted his new life. But praise the Lord when Peter came into the situation. He walks in there and he carries with him the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ. Go over to the man and he speaks a word of faith over the man. He says, Jesus Christ heals you. Stand up and make your bed. Have you noticed he asked him to do an action? 
He says, stand up. The man had to respond to, to that action. He could have lied there and say, where are you coming from, dude? What, what's going on? Can't you see I can't move? Have you noticed that sometimes when people go into uh, to being paralyzed, they like that situation and they want to stay in that situation because while you're in that situation of being paralyzed, others look after you. I wonder how many people are spiritually paralyzed this morning. Are you going with me now? Is there people in this church who are spiritually paralyzed? You know, there you were, worshiping God, everything went so well. You were praising, you were reading your Bible, you were doing every single thing that you need to do. But then something happened to you. Something, somebody said something. Somebody turned their back on you. Something that you prayed about didn't come to fruition yet. Some bad thing happened to you. And you start asking the questions and that paralyzes your spiritual life. Are you with me now? And here you sit for eight years and every single time when somebody asks you, you go back to that one point in your life when you were paralyzed, when this thing happened and you can't forgive, you can't move forward because you are still stuck there at that one place. You know what you need this morning? You need a word of faith. You know what you need this morning? You don't need pills. You don't need medicine. You don't need downers and uppers. You know that stuff? I'm taking a downer at night so that I can sleep and then in the morning I take an upper so that I can live. You don't need that stuff. You know what you need this morning? You need Jesus Christ the Lord. Hallelujah. Can you shout hallelujah to that? Come on church. Let's give the Lord a hand this morning. Let's tell him that he is the one. Yes. Yes, he's the one. Jesus Christ comes into a situation and all of a sudden everything changes. Everything changes. All of a sudden you start getting strength in your legs. All of a sudden you stand up and you can speak out. All of a sudden you feel that you can breathe again. I know, I know. Look, I'm not trying to change the story here. But I want to talk to people this morning because I see it. When you sit there and you are paralyzed. You did some, maybe you did some sin. Maybe you did some sin and somebody came over to you and said, Oh, you are condemned forever. This is the sin that you shouldn't have done. You know that is the sin. And you are condemned forever. We, we went to a Bible study in New Zealand once. And uh, all I was doing is opening up the Word. I was preaching and I couldn't even remember what book it was. But I came to the point where I spoke to that group. And I said, if the Lord Jesus Christ comes in, He will heal you from, from all of your ailments. First, he will, he, will, he will forgive your sins. There was a man sitting there, a big man. I mean, if I talk big, he's taller than me and he was a little bit bigger than me. He had another big man sitting, two South African dudes, man. These South Africans, they are big, okay? They were sitting there. And, I, and, and the, the one was watching me the whole time and I thought, man, I better have my things right tonight. And I was just on the word. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, for this big man, the penny dropped. The penny dropped to him. And, and he stood up from his chair. He says, so you want to tell me that if I confess my sin to the Lord, that he will save me? I said, yes, that's what I'm saying to you. But not me, it's the word saying that. And he was released that night. And you know what he told me? He said that when he was in the church, somebody came over and he said that you were committing the unpardonable sin. You are doomed forever. They are still serving the Lord. During the week, I got a, a message from his wife from New Zealand. We've still got a big group of people in New Zealand. Some follow online. Brothers and sisters, when you are sitting in that place of, of being paralyzed, the years just keep on ticking over. I mean, it is mentioned here it took eight years for this man while he was laying there. But on this particular day, when Peter walks into that situation, he brings Jesus because Jesus, where two or three gathers, is there. But more than that, within him, he's got the Holy Spirit, and it's the Holy Spirit who quickens souls. Amen? I wonder if you are sitting here this morning and you are paralyzed. Is there maybe something, is there maybe something that you're sitting here and say, that is bothering me. I want to speak a word of faith over you this morning. 
I want to say to you, Jesus Christ heals you. Take up your bed. Make your bed and take it up. You go, oh preacher, are you now telling us that you are in the word of faith movement? Who knows that movement? I want to say here that Peter is not the first word of faith movement apostle. You know the word of faith movement? Those are those preachers who come out and they decree things. Have you, have you heard those people? They come out and they say, you just name it and you claim it. And if you say it and you keep on saying it, it will happen. This is what they say. What do they say? They come out and they decree stuff over you. They come to you and they say, have you got financial problems? Man, you just need to believe a little bit more harder. Say after me. Come on, church, say after me. I will give my life to the Lord, and because I do that and I put $1,000 in here, the Lord is going to bless me with $10,000. They are out there. It's called the Word of Faith movement. And may I shock you, I will name a few names in there. It might be names that you are following, and if you are following them, you know, don't get mad at me. I'm only the messenger here this morning. But you think of Benny Hinn Ministries, you know, name it and claim it. Just say it, man. Give me a seed. Send me $1,000 and see how the Lord's going to bless you. It's nowhere in the Bible. Joyce Myers, same thing. It's in the same club. Look, I'm not here to down people, but I'll mention it to you. Because, you know, there's people sitting in churches and they send their money to these people. And they charlatans. They are sheep in wolf clothing. Are they wolves in sheep clothing? Let's say it. Creflo dollar. Dollar. Creflo dollar. Listen, brothers, they say to you, name the things which are not as if they are. Have you heard that? People are saying it all over. The word of faith movement. Now, now they can turn to this place and say, oh, but preacher, you are saying, he was saying a word of faith over this man. Yes, he did. He says, arise, do an action, stand up and walk. But these people, they are misleading the children of God. And so many are following them. You know, one of their favorite verses they use is Proverbs 18 verse 21. You may have seen this. And there's so many churches who's doing it here in Melbourne. In fact, in the east side of Melbourne, I've heard this. They do that. They say Proverbs 18 verse 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and, 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 and death and life is in the power of the tongue. So in other words, if something is dead, you can speak life into it. Speak life into your finances. Hey, hey you like to get a new car? You, you like that car to become a Ferrari or a BMW or a very expensive car? Just speak life into that and it will happen for you. It will happen for you. You see, what people are doing, they are bending the scriptures to fit their narratives. And they, they are doing it, it's life for them, because they're after your pocket, they're after your wallet. What side, of your, what side of your pocket is it, your left or your right pocket this morning, your wallet? They're after your money, they're after your money. It says death and life are in the power of the tongue, they say. So you can speak life over somebody, you can speak death over somebody. And, and in a way it is true, it is true in a way. He says... And those who love it will eat its fruit. And it's true because I've seen it so many times happen where people speak words that down other people. It can happen. But what they do not do is they don't read Proverbs 10 verse 19. He says, in the multitude of words is sin, not lacking. But he who restrains his lips is wise. In the multitude... Of words is sin. And what about Proverbs 12 verse 17? He who speaks truth declares righteousness. That is true. That is life. He who speaks truth declares righteousness. But a false witness deceit. He declares deceit. Deceit kills. Righteousness makes alive. There is one who speaks like the piercing of a sword... But the tongue of the wide promotes health. So yes, I do believe what, what the writer said, that death and life lies in the power of the tongue. But not the way that they use it to call in material blessings. That is not the truth of this verse. The truth of this verse is here. He says, if you declare righteousness, 
It will bring life. And if you de declare deceit, it will bring death. The there is one who speaks like the piercing of a sword. Have you, have you met people like that? Everything that comes out of their mouth is like a sword. You know, they tell you, talk you down. They talk negative things about you. All they do is try to pull you down. It's like gossip. Yes, let's go to gossip again. It is true about gossip. Think about gossip. If somebody gossip, it kills three people. Did you know that? It kills three people. It kills the gossiper. The one who gossips. Why? Because it's negativity. He wants to come and talk behind somebody else's back. That's not word of wisdom. It kills the one they gossip about. Why? Because they destroy that one's reputation. And also, it kills the one who hears it. So yes, you can kill with your mouth. I've heard so many times over the life where parents say to the young children, you are dumb. Have you heard that? You are dumb. Come on, man. You silly you. You naughty boy. You can come to nothing. You are going to come to nothing. You're going to end up in jail just like your father. And so, that is true that death lies into your tongue. Why? Because it shapes thoughts. Just think what you're talking about. But if you come to some child and you start lifting them up and say, try again. Come on, I know you failed, but I'll be here for you. Let's try it again. Don't give up. Just strap up and let's go again. I'll support you all the way. Be wise around that. But you see, brothers and sisters, this is not word of faith. And, and why do I preach about it today? Maybe you haven't heard this before, but I want, I want to show you this so that when you hear that, you put it back into context. Back into context. So that you, when the false note comes past, you can pick up on the false notes. What about this verse? Oh, I love this verse. Some of them use this. They say, this is a word of faith. They say in Romans chapter 4 verse 17, listen to this. As it is written, I've made you a father of many nations in the presence of him who believed God, who gives life to the dead and call those things which do not exist as though they did. And here these people come and they say, all you need to do is you call those things that do not exist as if they do. You want a beautiful house? You're living in a small little house? You want a bigger house? Just call it. It's not there now, but believe it will be there. Call it as if it's existing. That's the word of faith movement. I don't know if you've heard the scripture, but they use it like that. Over and over again. They say, just call those things which do not exist as they do. They sing songs about it. This is why whenever I hear a song, I listen to the song. I look at the words of the song. And if the song is about me, myself, and I, I don't want to sing that song. Oh they, oh, they can sing it in churches, and there are so many songs out there. This is why in our church, I, I don't endorse a lot of ministries who put out songs into the world. Oh, but you say, but wait a minute, minister, this preacher, this one song is so true, there's nothing wrong with it. Yes, but it's associated with that chain. You see the thing, brothers and sisters, singing becomes also preaching. Did you know that? You can watch the songs we sing in this church. It's Bible-based and it goes about God. We don't call things that do not exist as they do. Let's look at this verse. It says here, God, comma, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Who is calling things into existence here? So why do people put themselves in that place? No, no, you need to believe that you're a small messiah to be able to do that. And this is what they believe. We are not small messiahs. We are children of God. We are saints. He says here, God, God is the only one. God is the only one who can call something which does not exist into existence. It's the word bara in Hebrew. That's what you find in Genesis. In the beginning, God barad the earth. He called into existence something that was not there. And you know what, brothers and sisters? He's got the final word over your life. If he calls a word in your life as, and it wasn't there, it will be there. If God says it so, it will be so. It is really interesting because if you go into Genesis, when he formed Adam, 
Out of what did he form Adam? Out of the clay. And you know the word that he used there? Because he created man, didn't he? But he didn't barah man. He didn't say, boom, and all of a sudden there's Adam there. No, no, no. He went and he took clay. And here is the word that is used in Hebrew. He ashah. That's the word. What does the word ashah mean? It means that he formed a, a recognizable, a, something that you can recognize at, out of a formless mass. That is so beautiful. But here they say, oh, just call out. You can call it out. Just call the things that do not exist as though they say. And as I said, it's only God who can do this. No, no, if we put it in context here, we go back to Romans chapter 4, and we read the whole chapter, not just a verse. Who believes context, context, context? I do. And here, in, in the lesson in Romans chapter 4 is about salvation that came through faith and not law. That is it. He's giving, the writer here, Paul writes here and he gives the lesson. He says, it's not by obeying the law that you will be saved. It is through faith. And it's in that context that he brings this up. And he says, God called stuff into existence which was not there at that point in time. Let me give you one more number. Uh, um, uh, uh, Mark chapter 11 verse 24. He says, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Oh, they like to take this one just and give that one to you, isn't it? Just that one verse. Man, you can pray for anything because we spoke about praying this morning, didn't we? Pray. Pray is powerful. Who knows that? But here in this verse, they come to you and they say, hey, listen, this is Jesus' own words. He says, whatever. Everybody say whatever. What does it mean? Whatever. <laughs> that was difficult. Whatever. You know, again, wow, man, I want a new car. I want this. Whatever you ask. Whoa, that is big. That's huge. Starting to think about it now, man. It's huge. <laughs> Whatever things you ask when you pray. Lord, I, I can ask for whatever I, when I pray, isn't it? That's what Jesus said. Believe that you receive them. So now I'm going to pray and say, Lord, I want this thing. I want this thing. Oh, I'm standing up on there, and now I believe. I believe I've got it. Let me tell you a testimony, brothers and sisters. When we went to New Zealand, my mother-in-law went with us. She had a kidney problem. And when we arrived there, um, she had kidney failure. Now, we arrived in this country. We didn't have a lot of money. I can tell you another testimony about it. One day it will come out. We didn't have a lot of money. So the doctor came to me and he said to me, you had to make a difficult decision. They will not allow her to go on analysis, you know, to put the, the machines on her. We need to send her back to South Africa. She wasn't a citizen yet. But by doing that, we had to make that decision. And then they, they whacked me with a big bill. You know, I was in the country like six months. Or, or a year, and they sent me the medical bill. I, I was really poor, really. This is one of those situations where you need to cry out to God and pray for these things, man. I mean, if you go to the bank back then, they didn't let it go over a bit, and you, you put your card in, and you hope somewhere money came into this account, and you press that button, and it goes 45 cents. You know you're in trouble. Who knows what I'm talking about? And, and then you, you take the card out and you wait five minutes and you put it back in. 45 cents. Okay. Then people come up and you line up, you stand away. You're just waiting for that paycheck to come in. And, and the timing, you know, you put it in. 45 cents. Maybe walk around the block. This is the situations we were in. And we were hit with this bill. But it's not a problem. Because I'm a preacher, I'm a pastor. Yes. I should have faith. And I, and I went into my inner room and I started praying. I want you to listen to this. Because these people say, hey, you know, whatever, whatever you ask, believe and you will receive them. And I went there and I, on my knees and I cried out to the Lord. I said, Lord, all I need, all I need is $10,000. That was the bill, $10,000. I didn't ask a penny more, Aaron, not a penny. Not, not for a coffee or for a donut, just, just that. I put it to the Lord and I prayed. 
And the next morning I went and I prayed again. And then I heard a testimony that some man in our church stood up. He says he was walking one day and, and as he walked, an envelope, the wind blew an envelope against his leg. He picked it up and there was money in. And I thought, ah, the Lord has given me a sign. So the next morning, what did I pray? I prayed for an envelope. <laughs> I prayed for an envelope. I'm on my knees and I go, Lord, please. Lord, I need that envelope. I need that envelope. And I keep on praying, but the envelope didn't come. And then, then I read about another man's testimony. He said, by faith, write a check out. You know, and I go, that's it. Now I'm going to write a check. So the next morning I'm in my prayer room downstairs, and I'm praying there, and, and I took faith. Don't tell me I didn't take faith. I did. I, I had a piece of paper there, and I wrote on it, Bank of Heaven, and I wrote there, uh, check $10,000. I wrote it out, and I put down at the bottom, from God. And I took that check, and I put it in my pocket, and I said, Lord, I believe this is in your hands. I'm not going to worry about it. I've got the check here, and I'm just waiting for however it's going to come. Have you been there? I've been there. So the next morning, I'm down there in my, in my prayer room. But this morning there's something wrong. I'm praying and I'm praying and it feels as if my prayer is hitting the ceiling. And I'm going, Lord, there's something wrong here. But you know what was burning that piece of paper in my pocket? And it's as if the Lord starts speaking to me. I was opening up my Bible. I, couldn't, I, I honestly couldn't feel I get connection with God. I started opening as I've always done my scriptures. And, and somehow I started reading through there. And it's as if the Lord spoke to me and he said to me, Elijah, you remember that man of God? I said, yes, Lord. He said, you remember when he had to go into the wilderness? I said, yes, Lord, I remember. I, I, and I, I go, Lord, what has that got to do with this check? You know, Lord, I'm, I'm really anxious. You know, they, and you know what, brothers and sisters? He says, when he was there, how did I feed him? Who, who remembered how God fed him? Ravens came. Bit by bit. That's not what I wanted to hear. And it's as if the Spirit of the Lord, and, and sometimes the Lord is so humorous with me, it's, it's as if the Spirit of the Lord says, they didn't come flying and drop a whole cow in front of him. They came bit by bit, and I repented that morning. I took that piece of paper out, and I, sh I said, Lord, I'm, I repent, Lord. I lay it down at you. Brothers and sisters, we paid one installment. By the next installment, they called me. They called me. They said, we've overlooked your situation, and you owe us nothing anymore. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Yeah, let's give the Lord a hand. Amen. Amen. I mean, that's a true testimony, brothers and sisters. That is not a piece of paper. No, no, I didn't. You see, the thing is, what I've learned, it is not just but believe and receive. Yes, we do. We do believe that when we pray that the Lord hear us. Listen to Romans 8, 28, 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness, for we do not know what we ought to pray or as we ought to, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints. Listen to this, listen. According to? Say it again. According to? One more time. The, and, and what does he say? He says he knows your heart. And you know what God knows? He, God knows what you need. Not what you want. I want a lot of things. Can I start giving you a list? No, no. What you need is what He will provide. I love this scripture verse in 1 John. I often pray this back to the Lord when I pray. 1 John chapter 5, 14. Now this is the confidence that we have in Him. I wonder if you have confidence in the Lord this morning. Have you? Or have you confidence in the government? No, no. We have confidence in the Lord. He says, this is the confidence that we have in Him. What, John? What confidence? That if we ask anything, everybody say anything. anything. What does anything mean? Hello? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Anything. But listen, he's not a word of faith preacher, John. He says that if we ask anything according to... Say it again. Amen. According to his will, what will happen? He... Yeah. 
Yeah. Now you need to go back when you pray and say, Lord, when I'm going to pray this prayer, is that according to your will? This morning when I stood here and I asked this sister's name, Pat. You still remember Pat? I still remember her name. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for good memory. When we prayed for Pat because our sister knew her, is that the will of God? Why? Because it's for salvation. Is the salvation for the will of God? Yes. Yes, first of all, when you pray for your children, pray for their salvation. I pray for my children for their salvation first. And then I say, Lord, bless them. What did Job do? And then he says, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we have petitions. We have a petition with God. It is so wonderful, brothers and sisters. Here is this man. He's lying there for eight years. Eight years. Man, if they came to him and said, hey, hey. Uh, Aeneas, look at me, look at me. Death and power lies in the tongue. Just every day from now and for the next six months say, I'm well, I'm well, I'm well, I'm well, I'm well. In six months' time you're going to walk. Do you think that's going to work? Hey, Aeneas, listen to me, man. Look, me, look, look, look me in the eyes. I'm telling you now. Call the things that do not exist as if they do exist. So you can't walk now. Call it as if it exists and walk to that wall. Come on, let's see. Is that how it works? No. Let us not mock God. Amen? So are you paralyzed this morning? I've got a word of faith for you. In the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. Amen. I said I was going to finish the chapter. Let's do that. In verse 36, and, and at Joppa... There was a certain disciple called Tabitha, which translated Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in the upper room. Tabitha and Dorcas is, is a, a lot of churches use that name for charity work. You will find that name even, and this is where it comes from. And since Lydia was near Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay and come to them. Then Peter arose and went to them, and when he had come in, they brought him to the upper room, and all the widows stood by him weeping, showing the tunics and the garments which Dorcas has made while she was with them. It's a beautiful story, this lovely lady. She's open for the community. She do work. But who knows that good people also die. Brothers and sisters, all of us is going to die. If the Lord tarries to come, you will die. I will die. The time is coming. I hope you're not fearful for it. Because if you're in the Lord, death has got no, it's got no sting. The Lord took care of that. And here is this beautiful young lady, and she made all of these beautiful things. She had an impact on her community, and now people can stand there. But why her, Lord? No, we don't ask that question because God has got a purpose and a plan for everything. Even this death had to happen for this to happen right now. Walking in there, they've already got the widows there, already dressed in their black, already crying out. They loved her so much. She reached out to them. They reach out to her. Peter walks in there. It's too late, isn't it? Death is final. But who knows that for God it's not final. No. And now it says in verse 40, But Peter, but Peter put them all out and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he says, Tabitha, rise. And she opened up her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. Then he gave her his hand and lifted her up. You see, there's another action. And when he had called the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all of Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. So it was that he stayed many days in Joppa with Simon, a tanner, a tanner. It is so beautiful, this passage. And again, let's not just read it as if it's in a book. This really happened. Who recalls in Mark, I think, chapter 5? Jairus, you remember that name? Jairus also had a daughter. Her name was Talita. How, how is that? So close. It's as if, as if Peter is doing exactly what the Lord did. But I'm not surprised by that. Because Jesus said, the things I do now, you're looking surprised, you're going to do greater things. Do, have you remember that? And here we find him. He walks in. 
And just like Jesus with the daughter of Jairus, he put the people out. Who was in the room that day with Jairus' daughter? Peter and John. Peter saw what the master did. He's only doing what the master did. He had a good example. That day, Jesus came in and she was sitting there or lying dead on the bed. And Jesus took her and he said these words, Talita kumi. That means, Talita, arise. And he took her and she arose and she was, she was brought back from dead. She was resuscitated back from dead. Here he's doing the same thing, but now he says, Talita, arise. And what happens? He sits upright and she, she starts looking at him. And she can continue with her work. How marvelous. I, I just for a minute think about the people on the other side of the door. These widows. Weeping. Sad. Oh, the door is closed. I don't know what's going on on the other side. And what a surprise. What a surprise when the door opened up. And here comes out this, this one who they lamented so over about. Can you imagine that for a minute? The new life. He gave her a life back. The Lord gave her life back. Maybe that's how you felt. Now, brothers and sisters, I said it in this church before, and I'm going to say it again, and I'm going to prove it to you, that I've seen this. I've seen dead people come alive. Have you? I've seen it with my own eyes. Dead people. Now, I know I said it before. We're preaching from a funeral home. And you don't have to worry, there's nothing out there at the back. There's nobody there. I'm not going to try to prove anything to you. We don't mock God. We don't throw the pearls before the swine. I'm not by far saying you're swine, but we're not. If anything would happen here, a dead man rise. I'll tell you what, next week, <laughs> all the major newspapers, Channel 9 News, everybody will stand in front here. And they, sh they should. If, if a sinner walks in here and the Lord saves his soul, he becomes alive. I'm talking about spiritual people coming alive. Have you seen that with your own eyes? Do you know that you were dead? Do you know that? You go, wait a minute. I'm alive. No, no, you were dead. Look, this is what uh, Paul writes about in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. He says, and you, he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. This is a miracle. People are looking for miracles today. I'm not. People want to debate whether the miracles stopped and when they stopped. I don't. I still believe in miracles. I still believe that God can even raise physically people from... I still believe that. Why doesn't He do it now? Does He have to? Will that make your faith stronger? No, no. We've got the Word of God. I'm not saying He's not doing it anymore. I can testify you again, and I've run out of time, but I can testify how yeah, we've prayed as a church for, for a boy lying in a hospital where they wanted to put, uh, you know, he had kidney problems, they, uh, 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 bladder problems, and for the rest of his life he would have walked with a little sack around him. And we prayed for him, and the doctor, between that prayer and doing the operation, he said, let me look one more time. One more time. That's all we ask for. Lord, one more time. And when he looked again, he says, I can't understand. I just can't understand. You know, I don't need to operate. Praise the Lord. He doesn't need to operate. We prayed and the Lord healed him. Now, I'm not claiming that I'm walking around and say, boys, if this hand touch you, you're going to be healed. That's not what Peter did. But he, God used him. No, no, I've seen this happen with my own eyes when, when spiritually people are dead and when the Lord touched them. I want to, two, two, it's just two sentences and then we're going to pray and eat. Look at this. This is one long sentence. Comma, 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 comma. I'm going to read it in one breath, okay? One breath. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desire of the flesh and of the mind, whereby nature children of wrath 
just as the others. I did it in two. But the point here is, it's one thought. And the main point here is you were dead in the course of this world. The world is killing you. And the prince of the power of the air is Satan. And then in your lust of your own flesh. And there you were walking, a dead man, a dead woman walking. Now, if I close the Bible there, it's a sad story, isn't it? It's like these widows standing there next to Tabitha. Ooh, this is what she did. This is what she did. She's gone. If I leave that, that's where we end the service. But, hallelujah. But, brothers and sisters, there is good news. Now, before I get to the good news, I want to talk about this death here. Because this death which he's talking about here is the second death. Who knows there's two kinds of deaths? Revelation chapter 2 verse 11. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be heard by the... And here you sit, you are so worried about the first death, which is this body. You should be worried about the second death. The second death is the problem one. Look at this verse. Where's my brother Glenn? You're going to enjoy this one, brother, because you're singing about it, yes? Listen to this one. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. He shall be my son. Mark, I just see somebody at the cast there. Can you just have a look there for me, please, brother? He says, God, and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderous, sexual, immoral, sorcerers, idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the brother glenn are you there listen in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone which is the second death the lake of fire brother those who do not follow god will be going to the lake of fire and this is the second death listen to me listen to me here we were all dead we all had that second death. But here is the good news now. Let me finish with this. But God. Everybody say, but God. but God. Amen. Amen. Isn't that the most beautiful words? But God. I wonder if I can read this in one verse, in one breath. Because this is the good news. You see, when you come to Ephesians, and, and maybe after the book of Acts, we'll do the book of Ephesians. Yeah? Yeah? Maybe. God willing. You see, when you read this first one, it pictures you as you were dead, and it pictures these things which kills you, the cause of the world, the prince of the power of the air, and the lust of our flesh. When Jesus Christ went to the cross, he took care of the world, didn't he? He had victory over the world. He took care of Satan, didn't he? And now it comes down to the lust of the flesh. He gave you the opportunity and, and the power through the Holy Spirit to get victory over your own flesh. And now we come to the good news. Let's, let me read it. One breath. But God. Everybody say, but God. Who is rich in mercy. Somebody shout hallelujah. Because of his great love. Somebody shout amen. With which he loved us. I want you. Now I'm not going to do it in one breath because I can't. Look, look, look at this. Mercy, love. And look at this now. Present tense, what tense is that? Past tense. Do you ever wonder why that's in the past tense? He loved us. Does it mean he doesn't love us anymore? He loved us from the beginning. But that, listen to me, if you haven't seen this before, turn to the person next to you and say, here is something coming. If you haven't seen this before, look at this now. He says, because of his great love, amen, that is agape love, with which he loved us past tense. Brothers and sisters, that points to the cross of Jesus Christ. Because on the cross he showed his absolute love for us. Whenever you see that, you remember the cross. He goes, in whose rich mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, the cross of Christ, even when we were dead in trespasses, second death, made us alive together with Christ. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. 
by grace you have been saved and raised up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come we might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Amen. It's one sentence. You can go and look. It's all commas, all commas. Two sentences in, in the second chapter. If you want to do some great homework, just take those two sentences and do a Bible study on it. And I'm telling you, if you are serious, that could keep you going for six months to a year. Just those two sentences. And you can still go. Two miracles, brothers and sisters. And I pray the Lord that I didn't misinterpret the word of God this morning. But there's a paralyzed man, and I ask you the question this morning, are you paralyzed? Bring it to the cross. Because at the cross you're going to find Jesus Christ. Bring it to him. You know what he's going to say? Hey, in the name of Jesus Christ, sorry, I should say your name. In your name, in the name of Jesus Christ, make your bed, rise up and walk. That's for you this morning. Secondly, if you are sitting here this morning, if you are listening to me during the week or whatever, and you say, preacher, I know for a fact I'm part of the second death. I've got good news for you. Jesus Christ died for you. Yes, for people in this church, and there's a lot of people in church today, he died for everybody. Yes, we did. But he died for you. He's zoning in on you, and he says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins, and I made you alive. The word there for sins is the word harmatia. Harmatia. Harmatia is uh, missing the mark. You can't do it on your own. You need God. You need Jesus. Amen? Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you, Father, that we can learn so much from these miracles that happened. And Father, we thank you this morning that if there's any paralysis in us, Lord, that in the name of Jesus we can speak to that, Lord. That is the word of faith that comes from you, which was not diluted on this world by others. Father, and I pray for those who are still dead, or we know people who are dead, and we pray, Lord, this morning, Tabida, arise. Talita kumi. You who are dead, arise in the name of the Lord. The Bible says if you call out to Him, He will save you. If you reach out to Him, He will be there. So Father, we worship You and we praise You. In Jesus' name, Amen.